Welcome to Leadership Starts on the Inside, a Lead Like Jesus podcast. That is Rich Cummins. I am Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so glad that you're joining us again today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about integrity and leadership. Specifically, we're going to be talking about grace and redemption. We're going to share scriptural points. We're going to give you some applications, some stories to think about, and we're going to end on a prayer to help you as you're thinking about grace and redemption in your own life. Well, for the past few episodes, we've had this theme of integrity and integrity at work and in business, integrity in family, integrity when it comes to even using technology and things of that nature. And and we've talked about sometimes what happens when we don't walk in integrity and the consequences of that and its impact on our homes, its impact on business. And, and sometimes, though, even those horror stories of what we've seen in society around that issue. But today we're going to sort of talk about the flip side of this, of of redemption and grace, that God understands and knows that none of us are perfect. And even though we may have a desire to walk in integrity and walk upright before God, I think I can testify the fact that none of us have done it perfectly. And sometimes we still miss the mark, even when we know we're not supposed to. And so where is God in the midst of all that? And what does God say about his grace and his capacity to redeem? Yeah, Freddie, and I, and I, I tell you, at Lead Like Jesus, we talk about the being habits of Christ, of Jesus, and the doing habits. And so when, when, you're, when you're becoming more and more like Jesus, you know, when you're experiencing solitude and prayer and scripture and you have supportive relationships and you begin to accept and abide in the love that God has for you, you begin to do the things that Jesus did. And the first couple of things we say Jesus did is he extended grace and forgiveness. And so the Bible has a lot to say about that. Psalm 137, 130 verse 7 says it like this, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. So today we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about grace and redemption and even restoration and what those things look like. You know, I I love the passage in Ephesians 1, 7 and and how someone may say, hey, wait a minute, I'm I'm not an Israelite. I'm I'm not from Israel. Okay, we got a scripture for you. Uh, The Bible says that in him, referring to Jesus, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that in Christ, God has forgiven us. He forgives us. He restores us according to the riches of his grace, that his unmerited favor has nothing to do with what you've done in the past. It has everything to do with his love for you. And and this revelation and understanding really helps transform uh, our capacity to not just understand the being habits, but also those doing habits that what I'm doing isn't to try to be something. What I'm doing is because I am something in Christ. And, And when I'm doing that, when I have that understanding, 
the level of confidence that I have in knowing that when I pray, he hears my prayers. When the level of confidence that I have that when I make a mistake, just like my daughter, when she falls and has a boo-boo, she will come to me, daddy, daddy, daddy. Our heavenly father is sitting there the same way that we can run to him with anything. When we make a mistake, if we have a scrape or a scar, he is there to love us and to help us. Because of who he is and not because of anything we've done. And that's the beauty of it. So when you say grace, and I heard you say uh, really unmerited favor, grace really is, is kind of getting what you don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so let's talk about redemption specifically, Freddie. Yeah. So redemption is the purchase back of something that has been lost. It's the payment of a ransom, if you will. And it comes from the Greek word apolutrosis, apolutrosis. And it's a word that occurs nine times in scripture. And it's always uh, around this idea of ransom. It, the debt against us is not viewed uh, simply as canceled, but fully paid. And so what does the scripture say, Freddie? Not only does God forgive our sins, but he forgets them for all of time. You know, that passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, is where uh, that passage, if you haven't had a chance to read that passage where it talks about, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, um, that in the Old Testament, the, the ministers would minister year by year. And every year they're, remember, they're put in remembrance of their sin. Right. So they have the bulls and the goats and all the things to offer these sacrifices every year. And, and they're always reminded of the fact that we need to make another sacrifice. And in fact, that sacrifice, when the priest would actually offer it, the priest would have to make sure that they were sinless. And when they would go into the Holy of Holies, they would wrap a rope around their waist and there would be bells around their garment to jingle, jingle, jingle. So they knew when they got in there they were still alive because if they went in there with sin that they had not asked for forgiveness for, then, Hey, we got to pull them out. And who's next. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be, I would not want to be on deck in that situation. And I forgot to ask for forgiveness, but the pastor goes on to say that because of Christ, we're, we are now his worshipers and we should have no more consciousness or mindset of sin because his sacrifice forgave us, allowed us to be forgiven once and for all. And it goes on to even say that we are perfected in him mm -hmm. forever. So from God's perspective, he says, you are not just forgiven. You're not just redeemed but you're also even perfected in Christ. And I see no fault in you. So Freddie, here's a 50 cent word for you. Propitiation, propitiation. And so Jesus actually took our place on that rugged cross. He took all the sins on his back. And when you think about it, I like to look back in the Old Testament to Abraham. And that was always a tough a tough story for me to really comprehend until I got it. And that's when, when he was asked to put Isaac upon the altar. And so at that point, Abraham's faith was so strong because he knew the Lord was going to send him a solution. There would be a ram. The Lord would provide that replacement, that propitiation, if you will. And this story points 
to the New Testament and points to Jesus, where Jesus became the ultimate ram, if you will, that was sacrificed for all of us so that we could receive the grace of God and his mercy in that moment. And so let's talk about repentance and what it means. So what does repentance mean, Freddie? Well, I remember hearing um, my old Bible pastors growing up talk about repenting, you know, making this 180 degree turn, right? Mm -hmm. That I was going this direction and now I'm going this direction. And simply put, it's from and to the, the two re, uh, requirements of repentance uh, simply is to turn from evil and then to turn to good. That I was going in this direction that I acknowledge is wrong and I'm making the decision in my heart and with my habits to pursue doing what is right. So there's a powerful story from the 70s, the whole Watergate era, if you will. And Chuck Colson, who, you know, at the time served in the Nixon administration. And so he voluntarily pled guilty to obstruction of justice in 74. And he spent several months, I think seven, eight months uh, in an Alabama correction facility. And so when he came out of that correction, and he, found, and he actually came to the Lord there, by the way. Uh, and so he, uh, he, uh, he found Jesus, Jesus found him in prison and so gave his life. And when he came out, he wanted to, to do something for the people that he left behind. He wanted to do something for the friends that he had made. And so he completely, he completely repented, asked for forgiveness, turned 180 from the sins that he'd done. And then he asked God to make him useful. And so Chuck Colson in his best-selling book, born again, his memoir, found himself increasingly drawn to the idea that God put him there so that he indeed could help lead other people to that, that relationship with Christ that would, would save them for all of eternity. And so um, in 76, he founded uh, Prison Fellowship, which became the largest nonprofit of its kind serving, serving incarcerated folks. And so he even won the prestigious Templeton Award in 1993 for his work. But it's just such, such a beautiful story of, of, of repentance, turning around, and then actually becoming useful for God and expanding his kingdom. You know, when you share that story of prison, I'm reminded of a famous story of a football player some years ago named Michael Vick. Many of you should remember that name. And he was the number one overall pick, probably one of the most electrifying athletes in, in football and, and doing some amazing things on the field and, and probably at the peak of the game, probably at that time was considered to be like a Patrick Mahomes today or a Brady just one of the best in the game doing what they do. Well, one summer he went home and and I guess they had a habit of doing these things with dogs that was just horrible and, and was abusive to those animals. And, and they found out and and everything came crumbling down, arrested, charged, convicted. And the whole world basically said, you know, to good riddance to this guy, how could anyone, you know, do that, you know, and, and anyone that does that should have no right to have the privilege of playing in the NFL or having any type of influential role in our society again. Yeah, he lost, and, he lost his influence card. Uh, he was, he, he definitely, 
he he wore the red letter a i i remember that freddie that was a a tough time for him and everything you said i recall too i mean he was a phenomenal athlete he had all the skills all the competence but he got caught up in a character issue and so yeah he goes to prison and just when everybody turned away from him there was one person that was running to the gate to meet him and who was that tony dungy you know it at that time I think I don't think people really understand what was really on the line. Coach Dungy at that time probably had uh, was that when rising into the peak of his influence, had won a Super Bowl, was respected across the country and even globally. Just the work that he had done and the respect that he had earned by him going and literally running to the prison, being willing to be associated with Mike Vick and then go beyond that. I'm going to mentor you. And then beyond that, I'm going to help you get restored. Coach Dungy was willing to put his name on the line to try to help Michael Vick. And I'm sure people at the time said, what are you doing? Why are you using any relational equity, using any of your time, energy, passion? Why are you extending grace to this person? Mm -hmm. They don't deserve it. You should spend your time with the people that do deserve it. But isn't it like God that God would do things for those that don't deserve it? Because I remember a day when I didn't. Yeah. I remember a day where I was so far from anything that is worthy of giving God honor. But yet and still God sent someone to me to share a message, to help me out of where I was. And that's exactly what Coach Dungy did for Michael Vick. And at that time, there was a lot of media pressure. Sponsors were talking about pulling. When the Eagles were talking about signing him, sponsors were talking about, we're going to pull our money. We're not going to sponsor a team that that hires somebody like that. And yet and still, Coach Dungy was help, able to help him navigate and help the organization navigate that. And now when people think about Mike Vick, that's sort of a distant memory. He, he was actually able to uh, accomplish things to where he was able to live out another level of character before people to see that that was more of a blip on the radar than a reflection of who he really was. Freddie, I don't know how it's possible to come back from something like that without repentance and without yeah. God making a change in our lives. And so, you know, I even think about it. It's, it's no secret. I, you know, I went through a divorce when I was a much younger man and uh, it was tough and there were consequences that I had to walk through, but you know what, all, if it wasn't for the God of second chances, I would never have experienced that mercy and that grace. And it makes me think about the difference between being judged by sin or judged for sin. And so what does that mean to you, Freddie? Wow. So when you think of being judged by sin, I'm thinking that the fact that if I make this mistake and I commit sin, it's a reflection of who I am. You know, I'm that sinner. I made that mistake. And now, now the, 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 the condemner, the Bible talks about how there's one that, that, constantly is condemning the saints, the accuser of the brethren. And I'm receiving that as my truth. I am that mistake. I am that as opposed to 
being judged for sin. Okay, I made a mistake, but it's not who I am. It's sort of like when my children make mistakes, which <laughs> they all do. They do. At we no point, at no point, as a father, do I ever say, "You know what? You're no longer my son." Mm-hmm. Now we may have to deal with what you did. There may be a consequence to what you did. There may be ramifications for that. You may not get this perk for this time frame. But at no point is the relationship severed. Yeah. You are always my son. You are always my daughter. And I'm going to judge the sin and help you navigate through that. But I'm not seeing you as a sinner that's not worthy of being my child. Yeah. Relationship is not lost. A relationship is not lost. In fact, we grow deeper in relationship when we experience grace and forgiveness. And it makes me begin to think about, about David. And, and, you know, even though David did the unimaginable, the unthinkable, I mean, he coveted another man's wife and then pretty much had the other man murdered. Yet he still was a man after God's heart and God loved him dearly. But, but it didn't shield David from the consequences. So David repented. He did a complete turnaround. But there still were some consequences that he had to walk out. Um, you know, for instance, uh, adversity was raised up against him from his own house, Absalom. Um, he also, the wives that he had, uh, that he had basically <laughs> accumulated, for lack of better words, I mean, it was, he, he, was, he was doing what he shouldn't have been doing by having all these wives in the first place, but they were literally taken from him in a moment too with Absalom. And uh, also the secrets that he did were exposed to all of Israel, and he also witnessed a child die. And so David still walked through con- consequences for the sin, but he know he knew God loved him and, and the relationship was restored. Yeah. And so those are things we have to remind ourselves of too, that, that, uh, that grace and mercy definitely are what we need in the turnaround, but there still are consequences. Now yeah. there's the, the prodigal son story. We need to dive into that a little bit too, Freddie. Yeah. I love the prodigal son story because it's so relevant. I believe all of us can relate to that. And for those of you that uh, I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase some. So you have a father that has a couple sons and a son comes to him. The younger son says, Hey, I want my inheritance and I want to go live my life. That's sort of the Scott translation, <laughs> ready to live my life. And I want to go out and, and, and just live and enjoy. And he goes out into the city and he's, and he's, and he squanders his inheritance and finds himself with the pigs and the animals. And he's like, wait a minute, the servants in my father's kingdom live better than how I'm living now. He finally comes to himself after he went and lived his life the way he wanted to live. And finally he decides to go home. And when the father sees his son coming, he takes off the robe, tells the servants, hey, we're going to have this huge feast. He re- he receives his son as if he never left and just celebrates his return. But the older brother had a problem with that. He said, dad, I never left you. I've been here the whole time. You never threw this party for me. You never celebrated me like that. Why are you doing it for him? 
And I believe that's such a reflection, which I want you to touch on. How important was it? And what is the message of what that illustration is of the father's response when the son comes home, as well as the importance of the older son's response when the son comes home? Well, yeah. So the younger son, the prodigal son, he, he was willing to go and, and live with his father's pigs and be a work hand. I mean, he was, he just, he totally repented and just wanted to come back and wanted relationship again. And his dad ran to the gate, like you said, with a robe and the ring at hand and restored him, restored him completely. But the older brother, the older brother was still harboring this unforgiveness and it was an ensnarement. It was, it trapped him. It kept him from experiencing all the good that the father was feeling. And so that's the other side of forgiveness. If we're not willing to forgive, we can become enslaved by it just like the older brother was. And so in that way, the older brother, the older brother became bitter, became bitter that the younger brother uh, received this, the lavishness and love of the father. And when you think about the word prodigal, what does prodigal mean? It means spendthrift, give it all away. And so a lot of times people think about the son who spent the inheritance, but truly it was the father that was willing to give it all the way, all way for his son returning home to him and that great love and that great mercy and forgiveness. And now the older brother, the older brother is the one that is being held back by the, the debt. And so that's something we have to think about or if, yeah. if we're being an older brother in some cases in our lives and we're holding on to this debt that somebody else owes us, just give it away. Just give it away. Give it to the Lord. And I, I guarantee you're going to feel freedom. You know, I think sometimes we forget the fact that God is still in control and God still loves us. And it doesn't matter what, what state you're in. If you're watching this right now or listening right now and and you've made mistakes and you feel like, oh my goodness, I don't know how I can come back from that. Well, God already has a plan for that. He He wants to treat you like that prodigal, not from the standpoint of you giving up everything, but he's already given up everything to win you and to restore you and to redeem you. And, and I love the passage where the word of God tells us that God has set before us life and blessing and death and curse. Mm. And then he gives us the answer to the quiz, choose life. Choose life. And I believe that that's what God is saying to us today. Choose life. There's, there are, we have the freedom to choose, but we all, but we don't have the right to choose the consequences of those decisions. He's telling us choose life. So that way he can continue to bless us the way he desires. Go ahead. Yeah. It's even, even illustrated more when Jesus says, if you, if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. So you talk about choosing life. It's pretty clear in the Bible. You're holding on to the unforgiveness and it's not going to be good for you. Well, it's, it's, this is not just a, a lofty ideal that one day I'll aspire to get to the point where I'll forgive. This is a commandment Hmm. that remember the parable where Jesus said, there is a, a man that was forgiven a great debt from the King and he was forgiven. It goes out. And uh, there's somebody that owed him just, you know, a couple bucks. It's a small amount. And he didn't forgive him. And so much so, he called the officials in to have him imprisoned. Yeah. And the king finds out what happened and says, wait a minute. Didn't I just forgive you what you couldn't pay me? 
and you couldn't then go and offer that back. And so this is a serious thing. Love is not a suggestion. Love is a commandment. And even more importantly, God is love. If you really, beloved, let us love one another. Mm -hmm. For love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If you want to understand the nature of God and who God is, we have to walk in his unconditional love, even if you don't feel like it. So, Freddie, let's think about some points to consider, some questions to consider. You know, often the hardest part of forgiveness is forgiving ourselves. And so if I'm if I'm at home or at work and, and watching this podcast, something I might want to think about is, is there anything I've done in the past that's still holding me captive? You know, and I'd keep... encourage you to let go. Yeah. God is not holding that against you. He simply wants us to confess, right? Repent, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is not holding our mistakes against us at all. Um, another great question is, does someone in your family or workplace need grace? Hmm. Maybe do they need forgiveness? Do they need a chance to restore his or her relationship with you or with the family? You know, can you be an agent of grace today? Who's the prodigal in your life? Who needs to return in some fashion? And here's the thing to think about too with that. When somebody wants to come back and ask for forgiveness, are we real quick to just say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, don't worry about it, and even cut them off because we don't want them to feel embarrassed by that. Well, what we're doing is we're cutting them off from the process. So I think it's good to hear them out, listen to what they have to say, then throw your arms around them, love them, and, and return them back to, to good graces with you. Something else to think about, Freddie, is um, are you still defining your life, leadership, or relationships on, on the ways that you've been hurt in the past? Are your hurts still bringing you down? If so, why? And, and pray about it. How can you extend grace and forgiveness right now for that hurt that you're feeling so that it doesn't become a snare for you? You know, in, in Luke chapter four, the Bible says that uh, Jesus uh, is at the temple and he finds the place in the scripture where he's actually reading about himself. And, and, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. If you have an issue that is still unresolved, if you're still holding on to some pain or something that happened and, 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 and you still are hurting, realize that a part of the first group of people that Jesus said that the Father sent him to is you, to heal the brokenhearted. Because if we don't get that right, it can become that subtle influencer of how I see myself, my self-worth. Is God, can God use me? Can God answer my prayer? Can I actually accomplish this dream or vision that I've had for myself? Can I speak with boldness and clarity and confidence? 
or am I sort of cowering back because I still hear that accusing voice reminding me of who I was? I encourage you to receive the love and the forgiveness of God and allow Jesus to heal your broken heart today. Rich, I I was going to ask you, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry, Freddie. You, well, you, you got me, you, you got me with uh, the brokenhearted. I just start thinking about some of the resources that are available to our audience right now. And one of them is the heart of a leader study guide. It's a five part series. Uh, it's an online series. So it's a self study where you can begin to examine your own heart and the broken places and, you know, what your motives are. And, and it's really, really a great examination uh, of where you're at and then helps you move towards where you want to be in Christ. And it really is about identity and, and clearing up a lot of, of, uh, of those issues from the past and understanding who you are and whose you are. And I'd also encourage our audience to attend a, one of our encounters where you're going to learn more about the heart of Jesus and then also the head, the hands, and the habits that we spoke about earlier, the being habits and the doing habits. And then finally, um, you might want to grab our, our book, uh, Lead Like Jesus Revisited, and learn, as, learn much more about uh, what I'll call reclaiming servant leadership. And so just as Jesus said in Matthew 20, when he was talking to the disciples, uh, in fact, two of the disciples, uh, their mother wanted, uh, wanted them to be able to sit at the left hand and the right hand side of Jesus. And he said, that is not mine to give. But he went on to talk about you know, having more of a servant leadership mindset. Jesus didn't come uh, to be served, but to serve. And he tells his disciples, not so with you. You're not going to be like the Gentiles and the rulers of this world and how they lord their power and authority over people. And so that particular that particular book, Lead Like Jesus Revisited, examines all of those issues and will really help give you a foundational mindset of what it means to be a serving leader. We don't even say servant leader much anymore because it's overused. And so really, what does it mean to be more like Christ, to be in him? and have him work through you as we serve other people. You know, when you said that as I'm reminded of when we were going through our mentoring program and master's program together, and and there's some ministry opportunities of some soul searching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that I had some of these hidden pieces in my heart that were still broken and wounded that I put these walls up around and I just put it to the side and, and I needed the opportunity to hit pause on life and allow God to speak to my heart. And he revealed some things in me that was literally holding me back that I had no idea was there but I was able to find out it was there because I was able to participate in something like this. And so if you're here and you truly, if you've got that tug in your heart, if there's an itch that maybe this is for me, I strongly encourage you. It has transformed my life, it's transformed my marriage. There, there's so many things that I know that God was able to do through a process like that for me that I know will be a tremendous blessing for you. Rich, would you mind praying for our kingdom leaders that are all striving to walk in the fullness of God's forgiveness and his redemption and his love. Be glad to. Heavenly Father, gracious God, we are so thankful that you sent your Holy Son, Jesus, to to die on that rugged cross for our sins. And 
you you know you your word says that you forgive and you forget for all of eternity and i'm just so thankful for who you are and for what you give us even though we don't deserve it we don't even remotely deserve it it's more about who you are than who we are lord god and i just thank you again and i pray that you would you would help those of us that might be harboring some unforgiveness search our hearts lord god expose that and help us to to let go of it release it and to forgive and extend grace and and i pray lord god just the same if 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 we have hurt or offended another i pray that you would do a work in our hearts and help us to return to the relationship ask for forgiveness and ask for restoration we love you lord god and we're so thankful that you truly are the god of second chances in your name we pray dear jesus amen amen well kingdom leaders are again so thankful that you joined us again today we pray that you heard and received something that truly was a blessing to you. Don't forget to like and subscribe and spread the word about this podcast. Share it with someone that you know and believe needs to hear what you just heard today. Until next time, don't forget leadership starts on the inside. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Leadership Starts on the Inside, a Lead Like Jesus podcast. Learn more and get access to other resources at leadlikejesus.com.